Chapter Six of the Daredevil by Maria Thompson Davies. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Chapter Six. We both need you. I do not know how it is that I shall find words in which to write down the loveliness of that gouverneur of old Harpeth. He was not as tall as my uncle, the General Robert, and he was slender and lithe as some wild thing in a forest. But the power in the broadness of his shoulders and in the strength of his nervous hands was of a greatness of which to be frightened. That is, I think, of which a man should be frightened, but in which a woman would take much glory. His hair was of the tarnished gold of a sunset storm, and upon his temples was a curved crest of white that sparkled like the spray of a wave, all of which I must have seen with some kind of inward eye, for from the moment my eyes lifted themselves from contemplating the carpet in embarrassment over my tweed trousers. They were looking into his, in a way which, at dawn, my eyes have gazed into the morning star rising near to me over the little wood at the Chateau de Grey. I did not for many days know whether those eyes were gray or blue or purple, for when I regarded them I forgot to decide. And also they were so deep and shadowed by the blackness of their lashes and brows that such a decision was difficult. At this time I only knew that in them lay the fire of the lightning over old Harpeth when the storm breaks, the laugh of the very small boy who splashes bare feet in the water with glee, and also a coldness of the stars upon the frost of winter. I was glad that I came across the dark ocean to flee from the cruel guns into a strange land to look into those eyes. It is good that you have come, Robert Carruthers, or the general and I both need you, were the words I heard him saying to me in a voice that was as deep and of as much interest as the eyes. And as he spoke those words, he took one of my hands in both of his strong ones. And if you say snails, snails it shall be, if Cato and I have to invade every rose garden in Hayesville and vicinity and stay up all night to catch them. I think that I shall choose that corn-pone and whiskey that my uncle, the General Robert, has promised me from one bad-tempered cook at the time of my luncheon. I found myself saying with a laugh that answered the barefooted boy who suddenly looked at me out of the cool eyes. I thought I would let him have a try-out with Kizzy before we decided what to feed the savages. Also said my uncle, the General Robert, with a laugh, Besides, he's one himself, and I'll have to go slow and tame him gradually. No, he's ours. He's just come back to his own from a strange land, General, and you'll kill the fatted calf or rooster, whichever Kizzy decides, with joy at getting him. And this time the star eyes gave to me the quick sympathy for which I had prayed before the Virgin with the infant in her arms in the little chapel of the old convent, just before we had to flee from the shells leaving my father to the sisters to bury after the enemy had come. I think my eyes did tell that tale to his, and the tears ached in my throat. I know, boy, he said softly, and then turned and presented me to the Mr. Clendenning who was arranging papers at a desk beside the window. I do like with my whole heart that funny Buzz Clendenning, who has the reddest hair, the largest brown speckles on his face, and the widest mouth that I have ever beheld. 
also his laugh is even wider than is his mouth and overflows the remainder of his face in ripples of what is called grin he is not much taller than am i but of much more powerful build as is natural though he did not at that moment recognize the reason thereof shake hands boys don't stand looking at each other like young puppies said my uncle the general robert as he clapped his hand on the back of the mr buzz clendenning you don't have to fight it out your fathers licked each other week about for twenty years can't i even ask him to take off his coat once general asked that mr buzz with a grin all over his face and spreading to my countenance as he took my hand in his to administer one of those shakes of which i had so many since my arrival in america for a second he looked startled and glanced down at my white hand that he held in his and from it to my eyes that were looking into his with the entire friendliness of my heart suddenly i had a great fright of discovery within me and my knees began to again tremble together for their skirts but before that fright had reached my eyes quite i had borne to me an elder brother in the person of that buzz clendenning and i now know that i can never lose him even when he knows that i'm no shakes in the duel prince so let's kiss and make up before you get out your sword he said as he also as my uncle the general robert had done laid an arm across my shoulder in an embrace of affection it was then that i made a discovery in the strange land into which i was penetrating men have much sentiment in their hearts that it is impossible for a woman to discover from behind a fan they keep it entirely for each other as comrades and i received a large portion of such an affection when that mr buzz clendenning adopted me in what he thought was my foreign weakness as a small brother to be protected in his large heart i am very happy to salute you instead of the duel i made answer and did immediately put a kiss on his one cheek expecting that he would return it upon my cheeks first one and then another as is the custom of comrades and officers in france here help don't do that again or i'll call out the police responded that funny mr buzz clendenning as he shook me away from him while my uncle the general robert and the great gouverneur did both indulge in laughter i am abashed and i beg your pardon for offending against the customs of your country i do remember now that my father did not permit such a salutation from his brother officers and i will not do so again monsieur buzz clendenning i said as my cheeks became crimson with mortification and tears would have come over my eyes had my pride permitted this is what he meant you to do buzz you duffer i said good-bye to twenty-two of my friends this way the day i set sail from old heidelberg and as he spoke that great and beautiful and exalted gouverneur faulkner did bend his head to mine and give to me the correct comrade salute of my own country on first one of my cheeks and then upon the other i thank you your excellency i murmured with gratitude i wonder what that russian count eskerwich or mr peter scudder or lord leeholm on those scottish moors would have thought to hear roberta marquise of grey and Bee, express such gratitude for two small pecks upon her cheek delivered in america yes sir it's mighty pretty to look at but i reckon the kid had better stow the habit before he is introduced to jeff whitworth and miles minfee and the rest of the bunch said that mr buzz as he left off wiping from his cheek with the back of his hand the kiss i had put there 
and administered to me another embrace on my shoulders with his long arm. Besides, youngster, there are girls in Hayesville, he added with a grin that again was reflected on my face without my will, and which did entirely take away my anger and embarrassment at his repulse. Girls! Girls! exploded my uncle, the General Robert. The female young generally known as girls are about as much used to humanity as a bunch of pin feathers tied with a pink ribbon would be in the place of the household feather duster that the Lord lets them grow into after they reach their years of discretion. Robert has no time to waste with the unfledged. Don't even suggest it to him, Clendenning. And now you can take him around to my house and tell Kizzy to begin filling you both up while I wait for a moment to go over these papers with the governor. And both of you avoid the female young, for we've work for you. Mind you, work. Now go. Depart. The old boy is a forty-two centimeter gun that fires at the mention of the lovely sex and doesn't stop until the ammunition gives out said Mr. Buzz Clendenning, as he slid into the seat of his slim gray racer beside me and started from the curb on high without a single kick of the engine. I'd like to wish a nice girl, whom he couldn't shake off, onto him for about a week and watch him squirm along to surrender. Wait until you see Sue Tomlinson get a hold of him down on the street some day. He shuts his eyes and just fires away at her while she purrs at him, and it is a sight for the gods. Sue's father died and left her with her invalid mother and not enough money to invite in the auctioneer, but the general took some old accounts of the doctors, collected and invested them, and made up plenty of money for Sue's grubstake, though he goes around three blocks to get past her. Sue adores him and approaches him from all sides, but has never made a landing yet. Say, you'll like Sue. She is pretty enough to eat, but don't try to bite. It's no use." Is it that this lovely Mademoiselle Sue does not like gentlemen save my uncle, the General Robert? I asked with great interest. I was glad in my heart that I was soon to see and speak with a nice girl, even if it had to be in character of a man. Oh, she loves us all, answered that Mr. Buzz with the greatest gloom. All of us, every blamed son of a gun of us. Oh, I comprehend now that it is your wish that she love only you, Mr. Clendenning, and are sad that she does not. I said, as I looked at him with much sympathy, That is about it, Prince, but don't say I said so. Everybody chases Susan. She even wins an occasional ice-cream smile from His Excellency. I bet she'd go up against that August iceberg itself in a tryout for a first lady of the state badge if Mrs. Pat Whitworth hasn't got the whole woman bunch to believe she has a corner on his ice. Mrs. Pat is some little cornerer, believe me. Oh, I did like that Madame Whitworth, and I hope that it will be my pleasure to see her again soon. I said with an ice in my voice as I caught my breath while Mr. Buzz Clendenning drove between two cars and a wagon with not so much as an inch to spare on all three sides of the car. It is as I like to drive when at the wheel, but sitting beside another. You'll see her at the governor's dinner for you Tuesday, if not sooner, and just watch her and the general war dance with each other. He opens his eyes when Mrs. Pat attacks, and he imagines he is the whole Harpeth Valley militia defending his excellency of iceland from her wiles just watch him and this time it was three wagons that we slid between and beyond why is it that the great gouverneur faulkner has such a coldness for ladies i asked of that mr buzz i did find him to be of such a beautiful kindness 
He's been too much chased. He's got his fingers crossed on them, they tell me. Just watch him in action at his dinner. He sidesteps so gently that they never know it. Why is it, then, that he gives to me this dinner of honor when he so dislikes all? That is, I mean to ask of you why is it that I am so honored by that very great Governor Faulkner of the state of Harpeth? I asked, and I had a great fright that I had again so nearly betrayed Robert Carruthers to be one of the sex so hated by that noble gentleman, the Governor Faulkner. I must think of myself as a man in future. I commanded myself. Didn't the general tell you about it? It is to introduce you to the flower and chivalry of your native land. Believe me, it will be some dinner dance. The general wanted it to be a stag, but Sue fought to the last trench, which was tears, and he gave in. These days the governor loses no chance to honor his secretary of state for, for political reasons. And as he spoke, that good Mr. Clendenning looked at the wheel for steering, and I could see that there was deep concern in his eyes. Is it that? that trouble of mules, Monsieur Clendenning. I asked of him softly, in a woman's way for administering sympathy for distress, but without the masculine discretion that I was to learn swiftly thereafter to employ. Don't talk about it, for I don't know how much either of us knows, or our chief wants us to know, but Governor William Faulkner is a man of honor, and I'd stake my life on that. He's being pushed hard, and, gee, here we are at the General's, and I can smell Kizzy's cream gravy with my mind's nose. I understand that your father was the last Henry Carruthers of five, born up in the old mahogany bedstead that the General inhabits between the hours of one and five a.m. Some shack this of the General's, isn't it? Nothing finer in the state. And as he spoke that Mr. Buzz Clendenning stopped the car before the home of my uncle, the General Robert, and we alighted from it together. I do not know how it is that I can put into words the beautiful feeling that rose from the inwardness of me as I stood in front of the home of my fathers in this faraway America. The entire city of Hayesville is a city of old homes. I had noticed as I drove in the gray car so rapidly along with Mr. Buzz Clendenning while he was speaking to me, but no house had been so beautiful as was this one. It was old, with almost the vine-covered age of the Chateau de Grey, but instead of being gray stone, it was of a red brick that was as warm as the embers of an oak fire, with a film of ashes crusting upon it. Thus it seemed to be both red and gray beneath the vines that were casting delicate green traceries over its walls. Great white pillars were to the front of it, like at the mansion of the governor, and many wide windows and doors opened out from it. Two old oak trees, which give to it the name of Twin Oaks, stood at each side of the old brick walk that led from the tall gate. And as I walked under them, I felt that I had from a cruel world come home. End of chapter 6